Hi, everybody. This is Maria Pesson, founder of For Women Over 50, a website and Facebook group that helps women live their best life in the second part of their life. I'm very excited because today we have the author, Dr. Sue, of The Secret Child, Life After Loss. While it's a sad topic, I think that the the possibilities and the inspiration that Dr. Sue will share with us will help you through a tough time in your life. So Dr. Sue, tell us about you and, and how you came to write this book. Well, hi, Maria. So good to be on your show and to, to share with us, uh, with everybody. Uh, we came to write this book. I have a co-author with this book, Brenda Pierce, and she and I met at, um, in Nantucket as we were riding from the airport to Nantucket to the ferry. And uh, we were part of another book and everybody had decided to meet out there. So when Brenda and I met, um, as a matter of survival, we both have long legs and we chose the very last part, the end of the, uh, the big SUV to sit in. And so we had a lot of time just to sit and talk amongst the luggage. When we talked about things, we found out that we were so connected that we we just knew each other and we knew we had known each other before. But we also both found out that we both have children that had gone before us, you know, babies that had gone to heaven before us. And that was something that was always in the back of our minds. We would talk when we had synchronicity in our in our lives, the two of us, and we would say, you know what? That's Barbara and that's Kenny, and they're just kind of conspiring over there to get us together. So it was kind of a little nudge, if you would. We both felt the nudge from our children that we write this book. It was something that needed to be told. The world needed to know that our children had indeed existed. My daughter was stillborn, and Brenda's son died at three months old following some heart surgery. So after we discussed it, we realized that we weren't the only ones going through this, that we wanted to open it up to other parents who had indeed gone through the loss of their child. What we did is we kind of talked about what we wanted in the book, how we wanted to structure it. And we started putting out invitations to people that we knew that had lost children. It was amazing how many moms and dads we knew that didn't have, they all had a secret child. And by the way, Maria, we named the book The Secret Child because for so many parents, this child is a secret. People will say, how many children do you have? I have two, I have one in heaven, but one here. Or how many siblings do you have? I have no siblings, but in fact, there was an older or younger sibling. So that was the name that we wanted to, to, to give this book, the series. Mm-hmm. Well, we decided that the very first book would be Life After Loss. Because what we heard from these parents was, it was amazing. There's just no other word for it. We heard how they picked everything up and they moved forward. How somehow, through it all, they found the strength at the end of the day, at the end of even years, to do things and to find a way to honor their children. This book is totally a legacy for all of our children who have gone before us. 
It's to give them a voice. It's to let the world know, indeed, that they did exist. And we all know our children never meant to hurt us. But we all know, all 14 of us in the book, understand that we are the voice of our children. We are their legacy. And that's why we wrote the book. That's why we wanted to share the book with everybody. And that's why the title is The Secret Child, Life After Loss. You know, um, as a mother myself, I always think if something happened to my children, the one of them, you know, I don't, I always used to joke to them, I'm going to climb in the coffin with you. So don't let anything happen to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you feel like you couldn't go on after that. But in fact, people do go on and they still have full and fulfilling lives. Absolutely. Right of the children and they don't forget about them. They're still an important part in their hearts, but they can still have a valuable, enjoying life afterwards. Perfectly said, exactly what we wanted to to put out in our book. We asked each parent too, if they had a favorite charity or something that they donated to in the name of their child to make donations or to put that in the book. So if anybody who reads our book resonates with one of the charities or one of the funds or um, one of the causes that our parents do, they're more than welcome to please place a donation, however small, in that child's name. Mm -hmm. That keeps their memory alive. Mm -hmm. It absolutely does. Some of the people I'm from what I've read over the years, start their own charities in the name of their children. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and some people find different ways to honor their their children. We have one author in the book whose son was, um, 21-year-old son was hit and run by a uh, high-speed police chase. Oh, my. And he was T-boned and he died immediately. Just on, He was on his way home. And... Um, what they have decided to do is they live in St. Louis and they have been championing, champ, championing, excuse me, for um, safer speeds, safer chases. So for laws that go around these, they just kind of work around all of these high speed chases for safety. So they've been able to do that in Christopher's name. So it gave them a sense of purpose, I think, to have something like that happen. Yes, there's a reason why your son was here. Mm -hmm. He did contribute Mm -hmm. to the world. He brought attention to an ongoing problem. And I think something that we found as a commonality with the parents, Maria, was that everybody still felt like they were connected to their child, Mm -hmm. even if it had been years. Keeps them alive in their lives. Right, in their heart, in in their mind, in their family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it was a little difficult to write the book. It was difficult to read everybody's pain because we had to go through all the chapters mm-hmm. and we were we were mindful of um, not writing in our style, of keeping it in the style that the parent wanted it, the way that they wrote it. Mm-hmm. So um, it's written in all different styles, really, um, from all different walks of life. And we were very, very mindful. It was very important for both Brenda and myself 
to have a hard copy of this book, to have a printed copy. Because mm -hmm. so many parents like myself had nothing to prove that their child had had been here. Mm -hmm. When I lost my daughter, they didn't they didn't give me it was in 1975. They didn't give me a lock of hair or anything like that. They they had no protocol in place mm -hmm. for, for parents. And they would put me on they put me on a maternity floor with somebody who had just given birth How to awful. their baby. Yeah, it was it was really hard. I wish to be honest, I had wished I could die. I've never felt like that again in my life, but I wish I, I was dead. So <clears throat> What we what we did is we were it was very important that we gave them the book to hold so that they can feel something. Mm -hmm. They can feel, they can see their words, they can see what they wrote, they can see how they honored their child versus just an audio book. Mm -hmm. We are working on an audio book right now. Um it's kind of hard to get everybody together. We would love to have everybody, every parent read their own chapter. It isn't an easy thing to do, but we're working on it because we realize that not all parents of loss can see or read. So that would be another way that we could share our our stories, their stories, our um, our thoughts and our, our visions with everybody. Can you share a little bit about your story, how you came out on the other side? Hmm. I came out on the other side. I, um, it was a rough go. I actually had another child a, a year. I was due one year on the day that Barbara died. I was due on the same day. Um, God does have a sense of humor, yes. but she she had her own birthday, and that's a nice thing. Um, I went on in life. I had a son after that, and uh, when I was 37 years old, I entered into college because I wanted to know my children's world. I wanted to learn what they were learning. I wanted to be in touch like with the computer world and stuff like that, knowing that they would grow up with technology. Well, I took one psychology class and that was it. That yeah. was totally it. I, I, was, I was hooked with line and sinker. So I, uh, I was a single mom at the time and I went and it took me 17 years, but I got my doctorate in clinical psychology and I haven't looked back since. So you so did I, things to fulfill your life. I found ways to fulfill my life. I know that if I were hurting, there were other people who were hurting. Um, I would run support groups for parents. Somehow I got known as somebody to come to to talk about that. And that was fine. You know, um, that was something, though, that, to be honest, I put that away. I locked it tightly away in my my heart because it was just too hard. It was too hard to take on a daily basis. Mm, it's almost like so, we're living it every day. Mm -hmm. We grieve it constantly. There isn't a day that goes by, really, or an anniversary date that you think about it. And it's kind of funny when you talk to the parents and says, how do you see your child? At what age do you see your child? Even years after they've gone, they've gone to heaven. And uh, it's kind of funny because those of us that have lost infants tend to see them as very small children. Whereas those have, that have lost their 
uh, teenager or adult children, they tend to see them at the age where they left. Well, that so there's no aging. Right. Wow. This kind of stuff is even hard for me, and I haven't experienced that. I think just hearing about it makes me feel sad. So my heart. Well, you know what? It's it's something to lift up our children. It's a place to give parents a place to put their grief. And I think that this book is totally very timely. We're hoping to put together, it is called the Secret Child Book Series. And we are hoping to have other books in the series. This book was a smattering. It was a really, really big um, overview of, of, of ages of the child that lost, that was lost. We're hoping to do some that like, okay, they're dedicated to maybe newborns or maybe teenagers. We would love to do a book that is dedicated to dads that have lost their children because we feel that that is totally an underrepresented population. Uh, dads and moms, I think we all have to remember that dads and moms mourn differently. And that's something that we have to keep in mind. Well, more men will tend to They'll want to fix it. They'll go to work. They'll just get busy. Mm-hmm. They'll delve into their job. Whereas a mom, she may stay stuck for a while because, you know, she has to heal from, from the whole thing. It's a whole different thing because we birthed that child. Mm-hmm. So sometimes mothers, they'll grieve more, more inwardly where men will grieve more outwardly. And siblings, they all, they all grieve differently. It's kind of interesting because you might have been um, the second born in a family, but if you've lost your older sibling, you are now the older, the oldest. You may be the only child. So the pecking order, if you will, of the children changes too. And their place in the family changes. It's interesting. Some, I thought of that. There's sometimes a lot of guilt for children, especially with children, if they've had a fault with their sibling and their sibling died, they go through immense guilt. Or maybe if they said, you know, I wish you were dead or something, because kids do. And then they carry that that forth with them. And um, I'd like to suggest that if you know of anybody like that, to please just go into therapy, find somebody who can help them deal with that. You know, the, the RTT that I do, the Rapid Transformational Therapy, is a form of hypnosis. That's beautiful for helping people get over some of this grief or some of the guilt. It's something that uh, both Brenda and I are trained in. So um, we, we tend to use a lot of it with our people, especially when they're coming in and they're having a hard time through transitions in life. So what are some of the suggestions that you make to your patients who are experiencing this loss? How do you, what do you suggest to them to help them cope? Absolutely. Um, In the very beginning, sometimes it's helpful just to keep writing a journal. You can write a letter to that child every day if you want to. You can explain the hurt. You can be mad in there. You can go the whole gamut of the feelings in there. I suggest that they look for support groups. There are plenty of support groups on Facebook, and you can, there's always one in a church or through a funeral home, or look up even support through um, the APA, the American Psychological Association, or any of the professional associations that deal in mental health. 
because yeah. it puts us into a club. It, it just catapults us smack dab in the middle of a club that none of us want to be in. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. But it we makes sense. Yeah, we don't know what to do with it. So, yeah, it, it, it makes an impact. It's true. Um, it's It's something to be mindful of. It's really easy to get stuck in the deep, dark hole of it. But day by day, you'll heal and know that maybe the first day, maybe the first month, maybe even the first six months, your pain is unbearable for six or 24 hours a day. But maybe one day you realize it's only 23 hours and 59 minutes and then 23 hours and 58 minutes. And maybe it's just, you know, a certain time of the day. Mm -hmm. And as the healing proceeds, I often suggest to parents, you know, they, they, they might want to celebrate the child's birthday. They might want to celebrate the child's heavenly birthday. They might want to do something in the child's name. Maybe the child was somebody who loved to go fishing. Well, go fishing and have fun and just dedicate the day. We're having fun in this person's name. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that you can do. As, as time goes by, you heal. That's, that's the irony of it. We feel like we will never heal, but we do. We find a way to take a deep breath again. We find a way to be able to look at a child, our child's age, and not burst into tears, that's you right. know, or, or be angry at God. But it's okay. Any feeling that you're feeling, Maria, is okay. There's no right feeling. There's no wrong feeling. There's no right way to mourn a child. There's no wrong way. The only thing I would try to um, <clears throat> say to be aware of is it's very often that alcohol and drug abuse or alcohol and drug use escalates after the loss of a child. So try to be mindful of that. That's not going to help anybody. You know, if you numb yourself, it's still going to be there when you, when you are not numb anymore. Mm -hmm. So please, you know, just try to, to be mindful of that. I think Reach that's out. good advice for our, read, our listeners, I should say. Not our mm -hmm. But it's good advice for our listeners and people who are going through this. Um, any other things you want to share about your book? Mm, no, I think that it's available on Amazon.com. It's either in the ebook or we do have a printed copy of it. Um, I'd like to thank every each and every contributor to the book. I really would. I am so honored that they trusted us with their stories. They trusted us with their children. They trusted us with their hearts. And neither Brenda nor I take that lightly. We are we honor them. We're so grateful that they shared their story. And I hope that there are others who can share their stories and we can have other books that we can bring forth. I can be I can be reached at Dr. Sue D R S U E one zero three zero at infinitely beautiful lives dot com. You want to repeat that? Yes, Dr. Sue D R S U E one zero three zero at infinitely beautiful lives plural dot com. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about your journey after 50. What's it been like for you since you turned 50? You know, I'll tell you the truth. Life after 50 
knows no bounds. I had a friend whose daughter was having a hard time and I looked at her once and I said, she doesn't get it. She's not 50 yet. And mm. she agreed. She says, life gets so much clearer after 50. Oh, and, yes. you know, my my mind has been so much clearer minded. I know what I want. Um, I find a way to get it. Um, I don't hesitate in life anymore. How old are you now? I'm 72 years old. Wow, your picture shows you looking much younger than that. Why, thank you. I'm just very fortunate. Um, I have good genes. And I take care of myself. You know, I I do take care of myself. That's one thing I've learned in life that I have to take care of me. If I don't take care of me, nobody will. That's true. Mm -hmm. And I'm still working every day. Me too. Well, almost every day. I take the weekends Mm -hmm. off. You know, when I thought about it, I think I gave you the wrong email address. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I gave you the wrong email address. It's infinitelybeautifullives.com or at Gmail, excuse me, infinitelybeautifullives at gmail.com. Okay. Okay. I have about four email addresses, so I apologize for that craziness. That's okay. But- so um, I have a question that I ask everybody who's on my podcast. What are the three superpowers you've developed since you've turned 50? Clarity of heart. I know what I want and I find a way to get it. And I don't doubt myself anymore. Um, I know no restrictions. My superpower is I have realized that... um, I can empower people to reach goals and myself also goals that we never knew we had. So that's kind of a really interesting place to be, you know, is just to go for it. You do feel limitless when you turn 50. Don't you? It's just amazing, isn't it? When, When you take away all the, what does the world say? Mm -hmm. You really don't care. You really don't care. You really don't, you know? Yeah, and the thing is that when I was younger, I was always fearful of things. I, You know, I get very nervous. I had a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And now I think to myself, what was I worried about? I don't even remember all those things that I worried about, but it affected my life. It really, you know, made my life not quite as happy as it could have been. You know, I think we've all done a would have, could have, should have dance in our life. And that's what coming of age of becoming 50 and beyond is all about. It's a celebration of, I'm doing it. I don't care. If I would have, could have, should have, and I did. Mm-hmm. So yeah, do it. Just don't worry about things. I mean, my goodness. I guess I just figured it out that what I do doesn't matter that much to anybody as long as... <clears throat> I do it with a pureness of heart that I cause no malice in life. That I cause no no pain. I'm free to be. I guess that's another one of my superpowers, Maria, is I have totally embraced the free spirit that is within me, the spirituality that I've had. Um, not only do I think about it and practice it, but I share it with others. 
and we can have some of the most amazing conversations. And, well, you know, go ahead. No, and that's probably a really big superpower when you really don't care what people say anymore. And, you know, for most of us, that has been something that has happened with our ages as we mm -hmm. get, but there's still some people that still worry about what others think. And um, they really don't need to anymore because no. you don't like who, who cares? There's always going to be someone who doesn't think you're doing the right thing or you should be a different person. And those people don't need to be in your lives. No, they don't. And, you know, I'll just look at them and just say, you do you and I'll do me. Yes. It's like politics. I hate arguing politics because you mm -hmm. never take anyone's mind anyway. So no. it becomes aggravating and, you know, it's just a hard conversations to have. Right. So I, I don't even get into things that are polarizing. It's just not so, worth it. It's, it's not worth it in life. Life is too short, you know. Um, embrace today. That People tell you that all the time, but wow, there is no tomorrow. There's no guarantee for tomorrow. You know, right. so if you want to try something, try it. I mean, who starts school, the very first college course at 37? Yeah, that would be me. And I graduated at 54, but don't think that I stopped with my education at that. I went on to become a board certified life coach. I went on to learn divorce mediation. I went on to learn how to do hypnosis. Wow. And other things. I, I have several um, other businesses that I, I work with. That I work on you know I've learned all about health and wellness and and holistic things and I just I cannot live enough life there's not enough hours in my day wow good for you mm -hmm. sounds like you're a true renaissance woman maybe I am I don't know I never thought of that I think you were the second person in the last few days that has called me that so there must be something that's coming out lately and that's okay it's wonderful. It's a great so I will say, all right, so if you say I'm a Renaissance woman, I will say, why, yes, I am. Good for you. Pleased to meet you. Pleased to know all the Renaissance women on this, on this uh, site. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and your book with us. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who would find comfort in reading this, even if you haven't lost a child. Just losing someone that you love deeply is very traumatic. And mm -hmm. this book should be for all of you. So go to Amazon and check it out. And, and our, our, web, our website is thesecretchildbookseries.com. They can leave a comment. They can see what's happening in, in the world, in our world. And if they want to contribute, they can let us know. Sounds great. I'm so glad you've been on our show. Thank you so much, Dr. Sue. I am so honored that you had me, Maria. Have an amazing life. You I too. Know. I, I know.